today's going to be a standalone message about why God allows tough times in our life. I just got a sense that we as a church family, and as I talk to each one of you and my own experience in life, that we were going through real tough times, that people have some trials in their life right now. And what I want this message to do is really answer the question of why God allows tough times. What is it for? You know, me and Natalie, just over the past three months, you know, the summer was fantastic. For some reason, the summer's always better, amen? And so one of my prayers at the beginning of the summer was, Lord, just make this a good summer. And I'm telling you, it was a great summer. I felt like every sun ray was hitting me just right. But you know what happened on Labor Day? The season changed. Trials begin to enter our life. And you're praying to God and saying, Lord, allow this tough time to pass. Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm weary. Lord, I'm losing hope. You think that maybe tomorrow this trial will pass and it, it doesn't pass. And so you start to lose hope. You start to get weary. And you ask the question that me and Natalie have been asking ourselves, why is the Lord allowing this? And what am I supposed to be learning from this? What am I supposed to be learning? That's the big, like, we want purpose in our suffering. If we're going to suffer, please let me know that it means something. If I'm going to go through trials, please let me know that it's going to work out for good. And I think what happens in our passage today, James 1, 2 through 4, is that the Holy Spirit wrote these scriptures so we can understand why God allows trials and what they're good for. So whatever you're going through today, because trials are all relative. They're all relative. You don't want to diminish other people's trials. Just because someone has um, something that might seem like a more severe sickness doesn't mean the sickness that someone else is going through is any less. It's all relative. Just because someone is, maybe someone passed away, that is a very heavy trial, but that doesn't mean that just someone leaves you in your life, that that's not also a heavy trial. Amen? It's all relative. You don't want to diminish trials. I mean, I talked to a, um, a young man who just got out of high school. And he's in his first year of college, and he's actually just going for his driver's license. And he, I said, what is God doing in your life right now? And he said, he's showing me it's going to be okay because I feel my driver's test. You know what's not the right thing to say? That's no big deal. You're not going through anything. No, for an 18-year-old, you feel your driver's test. That's a real trial, right? And he said, God allows that to happen. Maybe he doesn't want me on the road yet. I'll get an accident. He was trying to work through while God allowed that to happen. You might have a college student who the teacher, they feel like their teacher's not teaching them well, and so the kid can't get the grades they need, and so they're suffering through what they're going through that quarter. You know what? That's a real trial. You might have a parent with a teenager who's just not longing after God and desiring for God, so their heart is plagued. Well, why is my child not wanting to worship God with everything they are? And they're waking up in the morning, and that's, that's a real trial. You can have someone who's getting older. And let me tell you, I'm knocking on the door of 40. I'm still looking good. Come on now. Little grays. What would you do? You roll with it. But someone might be getting older, right? They might be getting older and towards the last stages of their life and they're saying, I'm having trouble with this. For all of us, this is our first time living. When you turn 70, when you turn 80, when you turn 90, it's your first time doing it. And you might be struggling saying, do I even have purpose in my life? What is this for? This is scary that I might be closer to death. 
Those are scary things. Those are trials. Those are things outside our control. Today, I want to tell you that God is in control and he has a purpose wherever you are. If you're a college student, a high school student, you're getting older, you're middle-aged, someone has left you, someone has abused you, you have lost a job. God has a purpose in your trials and he's going to use it for good. So let's turn to James 1, 2 through 4 and just read that together. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you might be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. So what I want us to see today is, first of all, when we go through trials, it's proving our faith genuine. Secondly, when we go through trials, it's proving our faith steadfast. And thirdly, when we go through trials, it's producing a deep joy within us. Now, one thing I can promise you is that God is going to test your faith. The question is, why would he test your faith? So that your faith, my faith, our faith would be proved genuine, pure, and unadulterated. God is shaping a people for himself that will be holy, filled with grace, and filled with faith. Faith is one of the most important things in our lives because of what it leads to. Now, why does a faith have to be proved genuine? Because some people don't have a genuine faith. That means that they might desire God and want God maybe just for the moment. I want God just because I'm going through something, and then when he brings me through something, I don't want him anymore. That's not genuine faith. I might want God because he can get me what I want. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to love God. I'm going to attend church so I can get what I want. That's not loving God genuinely, a genuine faith. That's using God. And people who use God don't have a genuine faith and don't love God. We don't use people we love. Amen? That's why many fall away. That's why even in the parable of the sow, it says trials came and they fell away. Those, that's not genuine faith. A genuine faith endures all things, good season, bad season, happy season, sad season. It's a covenantal relationship where we can honestly say through trials, no matter what storm comes, no matter what I lose, no matter what the future holds, nothing will shake me from faith in my God. Amen? It proves a faith that is absolutely genuine. That's why James is writing to the scattered churches, the scattered people of God in, in the early church. They're scattered. They're being persecuted. They're facing all kinds of trials. They're losing their homes. They're being thrown in jail. Loved ones are turning on them. Relationships are hurting. And he's saying, count it joy. Embrace it that you meet these trials because your faith is going to be proven true. Because many people stood in front of persecution. They stood in front of persecution and it was deny Jesus and live or will stand with Jesus and be arrested or even 
killed. You know what many people did when that trial came? They denied Jesus. But you know what genuine faith did? Many people stood in persecution, in trials, losing loved ones, losing their homes, losing their jobs, losing their money, losing all those things, and they stood steadfast through those trials, and their faith was absolutely proven genuine. And you know why it's so amazing and so important that our faith is proven genuine? Because genuine faith leads to genuine salvation, which leads to eternal life. Those who endure with faith to the end get the reward of eternal life. That's why it's so important that we go through trials that our faith is proven genuine because all of a sudden we have the security. We're not afraid, am I saved? Am I right with God? We trust in the imputed righteousness of, of Christ. We trust in the gospel of grace. But when you go through a lifetime of trials and you're still towards the end and you're still believing with all your heart soul mind and strength that god sent his only son to die for your sins and reconcile you with god you know what that does that gives you confidence that your faith is genuine so what when you pass from this life to the next you can stand secure knowing that god will say today you'll be with me in paradise amen we need genuine faith we need to be unshakable and movable we need to know beyond a doubt that God is our God, and we don't love him because we're using him. We don't love, love him because of what we get in earthly ways. We love him because of who he is and because we get to be with him and know him and love him. He is the treasure. He is everything. Let this whole world fade away, but if we still have Christ, we have everything. Everything. Trials can't take that away from you. Now, it's important to know the difference between a trials and temptation. So, temptations, you can overcome from because the, they're from within. Trials, you need to endure because they're from without, from outside. Okay, I'll give you an example. I watched the UFC. You already judged me. Great card last night. The UFC was unbelievable. I was so thankful that the clock got turned back because I kept saying, it's really 11, it's really 12. What a great card. But there were lightweight championship was on the line. And you had these two guys. You had this young dominant champion who had all the talent in the world, all the physical attributes. Some say the most gifted fighter that's ever been in the UFC. But this man chose, and hear those words, this man chose to do drugs, to live unfaithful to his wife and his family, to use performance-enhancing drugs and um, be disqualified a few times. And just had this life that was falling apart because he gave in to temptation and because of his choices. So at the press conference, this man made all these choices to give in to temptation, to live sinfully, to not live faithfully. He said this to the other opponent. He said, I just been through so much. I've been through so many trials. And the other guy looked at him, and he said, you haven't been through trials. And I'll paraphrase. You fall into temptation, and your pain is self-inflicted because you chose to do those things. Those aren't trials. Now, please hear me. We're all in here like, man, I felt the temptation. I'm that dude. We all are. We all are and need the grace of God. 
But that's temptation. That's self-inflicted. You have brought those. We bring those upon ourselves. Trials. What the man said next gives the definition to a trial. He said, you haven't been through trials. I've been through a trial. I lost my three-year-old daughter in a car accident. That's a trial. Because that was outside, out of his control, and he had to endure losing his three-year-old child. Does that make sense, guys? Trials are out of our control. They're when you get sick and you can't control it. When a loved one dies, when you lose your job, when someone leaves you in a committed relationship, when someone abuses you in a relationship, when you're doing everything you can to stand and the storm's still rolling outside and you have no control, that's a trial. And we're called to endure and have genuine faith through those trials because those trials will come to prove your faith, our faith, my faith, genuine. Secondly, trials prove us, our faith, steadfast. And this is what I want you to hear with steadfast. Steadfast is immovable. Trials make us immovable. When you've been through enough trials and stood with Jesus, you become immovable. Nothing can shake you. We all want to be immovable, right? We don't want to be that person like, I'm going to think happy today. By 10, we're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I hate them. Right? We all start off strong. Before you know it, it's like the end of the day. We're like, what just happened to me? We have a desire to be immovable. That's why grown men cry at Braveheart when he's getting his bowels taken out and do still like, freedom. Like, he didn't move. That brother did not move. Unbreakable. When he's shouldering those things and you're like, is he going to break? Dude's persecuting the and he stands it the whole time. Why are we move? Why are we move? Because he's immovable. And we say, we want to be immovable. Make me immovable. I want to be unbreakable. I want to be in a storm. And I don't want to be falling all over the place. I want to be walking through and being a shield to others and calling people through. Amen? Trials. You can only become immovable through trials. They make you steadfast. They make you strong. That's why when we see Jesus on the cross... They're murdering him. He's been the most severest trial. They're persecuting him. They've beaten him. They've flogged him. They've humiliated him. They've mocked him. And he's still immovable when he cries out, Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. We become moved by that which is immovable. And that's why Jesus moves us so much. We desire that. And only trials can bring that. I was doing my devotional the other day, this, one of my devotionals working through the psalm, and I, I came to Psalm 27. In Psalm 27, verse 8, <clears throat> I see that David writes, the Lord is my shield. The Lord is my shield. In him I trust. He brings me help. And because I was going through trials personally myself, I to, began to meditate on that scripture. And something hit me that really helped me. I realized that the way that David always referred to God was as immovable. So let me give you an example. What did we read in Psalm 46 today? It said, our fortress. David says, God, you are my fortress. He says, God, you are my refuge. He says, God, you are my rock, immovable. God, you are my shelter. God, you are my strong tower. He realizes that God is absolutely immovable, and he needs to run to him. And here's where the secret lies, the secret of the kingdom of God. We 
can never be immovable in ourselves. Some people run away from powerlessness. The Christian man and woman is called to embrace powerlessness because when you embrace powerlessness, you're embracing reality. When you have delusions of being powerful, you are not living in reality. Because when we are weak, we are made strong. And when we realize we are powerless, we run to the one who is powerful and can shelter us. Amen? David understood that I am weak. There were all these trials. People were trying to kill him. People were falsely accusing him. And he said, Lord, you're my refuge. You're my shield. And this is a mighty warrior. If anyone thought he was powerful, this brother was taking people out. He slew the giant. Probably ripped. You get a few muscles, you start thinking you're powerful. Like, what you got? Let's try. And this dude, this mighty warrior, this mighty warrior, warrior who people praise, David kills ten thousands. There's no one like David. He's the mighty warrior. He says, warrior, he says, I'm powerless, and God is my shelter. That's where true strength is found. When you can make it through trials, when you run to that which is immovable. If you run out in a storm like you're something, the storm's going to take you out. If you run into the mighty fortress, you will become immovable during trials. Absolutely immovable. I don't know if any of you guys saw the show Alone that was on the History Channel, maybe a year or two alone. A bunch of crazy people joined this show. They literally just drop you off somewhere. You have no idea where you're getting dropped off. I love these shows. They give you, like, you can choose a weapon. You choose what you want to bring. You got something that make fire. They just drop you off, drive away, like... So I'm watching this show, and there's three different contestants that just in the first episode. The first guy, they drop him off um, kind of right next to the water, and he has a few tools, and his plan is he's going to make a little tent. He's got some cloth. He's all happy looking at the camera, laying it out. Now, there's wild animals out there. I'm telling you, man. I'm scared when a raccoon gets near the trash. I'm talking, there's bears, there's cougars, there's storms, there's wild animals, it's cold, you don't know if you have food. It's a very challenging atmosphere. This guy builds this little tent. He's trying to catch mice by dropping rocks on them. I'm like, what is this dude doing? That's like three calories. To make a long story short, this man's shelter was not immovable. He called for a rescue. Get me out of here. He lost the game. The second guy, they drop him kind of in the middle of the woods. He said, man, I'm going with wood. So I'm laying all this wood out. And he was like telling like how he took up this hobby to make shelters. The rain came. All the rain's coming through the shelter. He can't even make a fire. He's soaking wet. Get me out of here. He loses. He's not in an immovable shelter. They drop this real burly brother right in the woods, man. They drop him by the ocean. He's walking in a little bit. He sees this rock cave. He goes into the rock cave and there's like a, a little like refuge. He sets up shop. He's making fires in there. He's there for like six months. He starts talking crazy. But guess what? He was in an immovable shelter. The storms came. They couldn't get to him. 
They didn't put out his fire. He was warm. He made it. When things were hard, there were days he just spent days in the cave. He was just laying there talking crazy to the camera. He's trying to stay sane. But he said, the storm ain't getting me. Some of us feel like that in trials, huh? If we caught you, we're talking to yourself in the kitchen. We know what's going on. Sometimes I catch myself, scare myself. But he's in that shelter. He's not coming out for days. He's saying it's too harsh out there. I've got to stay in this shelter. Guess who won? The guy in the immovable refuge. That is the key. Trials. If you run inside the shelter of God, you will become immovable. So that's number two. The third point is trials produce supernatural joy. Life is not always defined as happy. It's not. It's not because we live in a broken world. And it's tough sometimes being in a church. What I love about our community and the way we're growing and our culture's growing is we don't feel the pressure to have to always put on a happy face. There is nothing that will diminish your energy if you always have to be, how you doing? <laughs> it's so good, I can't even contain myself. You want me to name all the good things that are happening to me? No. Who's happy when someone leaves them? How you doing? Woo! They walked right out the door. <laughs> no one's happy about that. How you doing? Lost a job, just amazingly happy. Woke up, just made breakfast. No, we get down. It gets hard to get out of bed sometimes. Can I get an amen? Some of us are going to be challenged when it gets dark at 312 today. You ain't going to be happy, I'll tell you that much. Life is not always happy, but it can always be joyful. We can be honest. What I love that I asked a few people today, they asked me how you're doing, and talked to a few people this week. That I said, listen, I'm joyful, but this ain't the happiest period of my life. Things are going rough, but I'm joyful. But happiness is different because happiness has to do with what's happening to you. Joy has to do with what God is doing in you. And you want the joy far more than you want the happiness because happiness can come and go with the seasons and the situations. Joy never leaves. And where do we see this in the most beautiful, wonderful place? We see this in the work of our Savior, King Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, let's look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus endure the cross? For the joy that was set before him. There was no way Jesus was happy when he was getting beaten, but he was joyful because it would lead to the forgiveness of our sins. There was no way Jesus was happy when he was being humiliated. But it would lead, because of the joy, to his exaltation as the king of all kings in the name above all names. Do you guys see that? Joy is much different. We need to learn to identify joy because joy happens in the tough season when we're doing what is right and holy before God and we feel the contentment, even though the world is burning around us, we feel this contentment, this deep satisfying joy and pleasure that God is using all these things for my good, making my faith immovable and genuine and my soul joyful, amen? 
We need to master joy because joy is within our control because of the power of the Holy Spirit. What's going on in this world and outside us, we cannot control. We think that if only we control it, then we could be happy. If only we could make this change and this, then we'd be happy. But you know what? We're in a broken world. Once you fix that, something else breaks. But you know what's not broken? What the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us and sanctifying us, regenerating us. He has justified us. And he's making us complete, perfect, and lacking in nothing through the power of the gospel. Amen? What God is doing in us is eternal. What is happening on this earth is very temporary. God is putting a joy in you so that your faith will lead to salvation, so that your character will lead to being steadfast and immovable. And you will be defined by the attitude of joy. And people will look to you to be their shield, just like Jesus is your shield. So everything we do, we do um, for the glory of God, and we even do it for the good of ourselves. But a wonderful thing that happens is, guess who people don't run to in trials? People who are all over the place. When you're in a trial, you don't run to an, a person who's always movable like the ocean. You look for that person who is steadfast, who will speak the gospel to you and say, it's going to be okay. I want to tell everyone here, it's going to be okay. I know this trial seems like forever. I know these tough times you're going through right now, they seem like they will never end. They seem like they will never end. I can only imagine Jesus on the cross and what he endured. He must have felt like this is never going to end. But please hear me, brothers and sisters. The trial will pass. Endure. Because what God is doing in your life is going to produce amazing things for the good of your life. Amen? Let's pray.